The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Panel Discussion, your home for comic book talk every week right here on the BICBP Radio Network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts. Uh, Greg is out this week, but to fill him, I got a, I got an A-plus player. He's not bad at this whole podcasting game. Um, but I'd like to welcome my co-host from Retropop and Harley Kayfabe, and the one of the other co-hosts from History Creeps and Retro Bliss. He's got, he's got a ton. He's almost got as many as me. Um, Mr. Johnny Townsend. Johnny, how are you today? Hey, hey glad to be here. I am honored. Uh, I love comic books, so... And I never get to talk about them on all my million other shows, so this is <laughs> so I'm happy to be here for sure. No, I'm glad. I know you've been asking to come back on for uh, for yeah, quite some. You have been. You have been. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got. You know, this, while well, the situation was, it was unfortunate, but uh, I'm glad right. you're able to be a part of this show. Uh, no, again, and we're going to continue with the the mustache themed characters, which I'm excited about. Uh, Greg set that as our theme for the month of November, so we're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, but real quick, you know, some new stuff. You, you, uh, you know, you brought this up beforehand. You know, Scooby Doo is a is a property that has been featured in, in comics uh, many, you know, often. Uh, he always has some sort of runs with DC, and I'm sure he's had some other ones. But uh, they announced a new animated Scooby Doo movie, which I'm pretty excited about. I don't know about you. I grew up a big Scooby Doo fan, and uh, kind of like a goes just like a little origin story. Uh, I think it's it seems like a pretty cool premise. Yeah, I I love Scooby Doo. Uh, I've got quite a few uh, little uh, Scooby Doo action figures I've collected. I am a big fan of Scooby Doo. I mean, you know, I love like uh, like really kid friendly Halloween stuff. I yes, mean, that's Scooby Doo to a T. So <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love all the villains and all this. So I'm I'm really excited for this new movie. I thought the animation in the trailer looked fantastic. I really liked that art style quite a lot. Uh, I think the only thing that I was uncertain about, and it might just be because me and you both grew up with Scooby-Doo around all the time, yeah, is the voice acting is a little different from what I'm personally used to. It is. That doesn't mean yeah. that doesn't mean it's going to ruin the movie. The movie might still be fun. I can get it behind it, but you know, it's like any time they change a voice and something, uh, and you're used to the being one way, you definitely notice. Oh, without a doubt. I think uh, I read that Will Forte is the new voice of Shaggy, which is. Super yeah, and I like him. Yeah, I like him a lot. I like Will Forte himself, uh, but I guess I'll just have to get used to that. Yeah, um, just we're those grumpy, gr- grumpy yeah. old people who hate change. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that's kind of the natural flow of it. Um, it actually looks really fun. It actually looks looks really funny. I don't know if you know the listeners if you've seen the the, the preview, the trailer yet. Um, but go check it out. It, it does look very enjoyable, um, and I, I I can't wait for it to come out. I'm a sucker for. Movies for stuff based on you know that I grew up with and and Scooby Doo is one of those things and you know they're gonna try and bring it to you know in an animated sense into the modern uh, modern movie presence and and I, I laughed there's a couple points in it that I actually laughed so I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to to really announce that that movie is coming out yeah I think it'll be a lot of really goofy fun which I enjoy so I look forward to it yeah it should be good and uh, the other news that I wanted to to hit up brief. Uh, just briefly, is that Teen Titans has been renewed for another season. 
Um, I'm personally not a big follower follower of the show. I don't have the DC streaming service. I know Greg uh, does have it, and there are I'm sure there are many listeners who are fans of that um, uh, of the Teen Titans show. So it is continuing on. It's a good sign. Um, we all know how good DC does with its uh, well television properties, and it's kind of getting better with the move and the movie end. But TV is really where it excels at. So this is a good sign for a. Uh, you know, a, a, another DC property. Yeah, I should like it more. I, I've not seen it. Uh, I was turned off by the very first trailer ever shown for it. <laughs> uh, and that's my fault. I probably should give it a chance besides that. But I'm just a giant, giant, giant Nightwing nerd. And uh, just to him, and I know there's a reason behind it, him cussing Batman just doesn't, <laughs> just didn't set well with me. <laughs> you know, and that, that literally is the only thing that turned me off from it. So I bet the show, I've heard nothing but good things about the show from people who've actually seen it though. Yeah. No, yeah. I know Greg's very high on it. I want to give it a chance, but I mean, with Disney plus coming out, uh, oh, yeah. it comes out. As of, well, this, re- as as of this, this recording, it comes out tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to buy that because I'm off of work right now. So like, I'm going to, even though it's a terrible thing to buy into something, uh, I think <laughs> I might have to entertain myself with with uh, with that. So, uh, you know, it's going to be huge. There's so much stuff, you know, to happen. And, and, you know, I was reading online, too, that with the Disney Plus service, a lot of the TV shows are going to be connected with uh, – well, those TV characters, well, the Disney Plus show characters are, are going to make their way in the movie. So they're going to do a much better job of crossing over – uh, you know, from what I've seen, they're going to do a much better job of crossing over the movies with the with the you know regular shows. So, which I think they regret, um, you know, happening with Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica yeah. Jones, and some of those characters. They they regret it. It was a it was a big missed opportunity. Uh, so they're going to go. F- they're going to they're going to do their best to to make sure everything balances out and, and makes it even seem like a more complete universe, which is a good thing. Yeah, I think uh, any of us comic book nerds love the fact that the Marvel movies are so uh, like other heroes can show up in another Marvel movie. That's yeah. Kind of neat thing. I always loved it in a comic book when that would happen. Uh, so uh, I'm all for this cause they really, I mean, especially daredevil. I mean, what a great cast they had for daredevil and uh, what a great cast they would have been on in the movie too. So uh, I'm all for it. Obviously I'm way more for this stuff than I'm very excited. Uh, th- I mean, even the star Wars stuff I'm getting excited for on Disney plus, Yes. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm I'm ready for it. I am. I am. I yeah. And, that, I mean, and that's not even mentioning all the old stuff we're getting. No the old stuff that we loved and grew up with. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do uh, some the X Men expl- cartoons on there. Did you know that the X Men cartoons gonna be on there? I I think I might have heard of it before, but that's a really good thing. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. My free time's gone. By podcasting below <laughs> Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so lots, yeah, lots to look forward to, which is which is a good thing. But without further ado, we're going to get into our comic reviews. Um, like we said, this this month's theme is mustache characters, and Greg has a whole list out. We're actually going to be doing a poll tournament starting next Monday, November eighteenth, on the Facebook page. Search the panel discussion on Facebook and find us. The bracket is all set. And polls will be opened up very early Monday morning. Um, but, yeah, we have some characters that we're going to look into as far as, you know, mustaches go. Um, and if you've never listened to this podcast before, the way our rating system works is we read a co- comic book. We rate it on the following categories. Um, art, 
action, story, dialogue, and rereadability. And we score them each out of 10 uh, for a score between overall score between 0 out of 50. Um, it's not like a super serious score. I know you do scoring on uh, on Retro Bliss, Johnny. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's Retro Bliss approved or not, uh, which is a great show. You guys should go check that out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much a guideline. We all have different likes and tastes and stuff, so something that appeals to one person may not uh, to somebody else. But, you know, a higher score just means that, hey, we're, it's it's kind of panel discussion approved. At least somebody likes it. That's kind of our mentality with <laughs> yeah, it. There we go. <laughs> um, so, uh, Johnny, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can start first. Uh, I went with a uh, very famous mustache in in the Marvel Universe, uh, very famous facial hair, I should say, and that is, of course, of Tony Stark, and I went with Iron Man number one, Marvel Now. Um, This one came, when did this one come out? Uh, Was it 2012? Is that right? No, 2013, sorry. 2013. Um, I am very lucky in that I uh, was very close pals with a guy who owned a comic book shop, and he knew I was a Scotty Young nerd. So whenever they do these variant covers of Scotty Young, I got quite a few of them. And so I got the the Scotty Young variant cover of Iron Man, and it's pretty fantastic. Oh, that is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, Iron Man's flying above this kid, this little kid who's trying to just play with his his Marvel action figures, and they're all of the bad guys. Like, I see a little uh, Doctor Doom, there's a Loki, there's a Thanos... And Iron Man just sitting there blowing them all up. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty great. Uh, but this is of the uh, this is a Kieran Gillen or is it Gillen or Gillen? I always say Gillian. Gillian, I, I, yeah, Gillian not, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Greg Land uh, and uh, those are the ones who uh, wrote it and, and and drew it. Um, let's let's. It really starts out as uh, like just. Trying to just set the ground for anybody who may not know who Tony Stark is, which I think everybody kind of does by now. I would hope. I would hope. Yeah. He's at a bar, uh, and he's with a a pretty young woman, and, you know, he's being Tony Stark pretty much. <laughs> you know, uh, but also, and this also established that he's, uh, you know, this is from his past, that he, he's had alcohol issues. So, uh, like, he doesn't drink or anything like that. So I thought those little nice little nods to people who actually know the, the history of Tony Stark and uh, Pepper Potts even shows up at one point. Um, so let's start with the art. Uh, I thought overall I like the art quite a lot. The only issue I had with the art is, and I don't even think it's the artist's fault. Um, the face of Tony Stark. I think this is when they were trying to decide if they wanted to be Robert Downey Jr. or make him his own thing, right? Yeah, that was a tough thing. You started to see more and more as the movies got even more popular than the you know the original one. Uh yeah, it was a weird time for comic book art and style really at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think he's kind of in a limbo there with me in my opinion with the face. So the face looks a little off. I I feel it kind of feels like have you seen the trailer for that new Avengers uh video game that's coming out soon? Yes, uh, yeah, where everybody's like they kind they look of look a little look, off. It's they like look um, a little off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Pokémon like Ditto when it, it was like the shape of the people. <laughs> Yeah. That, that that it was supposed to be mocking, but its face looked all stupid and stuff. Yeah, that's right. yeah, I know what you mean. But I mean, overall, the art's very good. You can tell this guy's talented, but that's just what it, it looks like to me. Uh, but of course, he's got his his famous uh, facial hair there. But what's even more interesting is in this actual issue, he ends up shaving it all off because he's going undercover at one point to a party he's wanting to show up at. Um, 
So he actually goes, he has it at one point, and then the next point, he, he doesn't have it anymore. But overall, I'm, I'm going to give the art a very solid, because it's, I mean, the coloring, the colorist did an amazing job. The inker did great work, too. I think the colorist really shines on this one, honestly. Uh, so I'm going to go with, because when he's actually in his suit, it, like in his Iron Man suit, it looks pretty dang amazing. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give this um, a solid eight. An eight? I think it's very, very good, yeah. Eight for the art? Uh, the, okay. Eight for the art. The only thing that threw me off a little bit was Tony Stark's face, but I I don't believe that was the artist's fault. Um, so let's get into the action. There's actually a lot of action in this because uh, he's crashing his party like I was telling you about, and they discover who he is, and he, he uh, pulls out his Iron Man suit, and he just starts blasting some of the the super soldiers, super soldiers there. He starts just blasting them left and right, so it's actually pretty sweet. Uh <laughs> And at one point, too, and also considering action, he almost gets laid in it as well. So uh, there's some action for you. <laughs> Who mama? Yeah. TN, uh, TNA it, to reference our, uh, our retro pop <laughs> episode the other day. Yeah, yeah there is some TNA in here. Uh, but uh, he uh, he doesn't get to, uh, you know, have fun, so they say. Because, you know, with all these superheroes, they always get caught away at the most inopportune times. And it happens to him here in this. Uh, he gets an emergency phone call. So I'm going to give... Uh, the the action. I mean, there's quite a bit of it in here. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. A seven? Okay, very good. Yeah, because I mean, you get some Iron Man blasting stuff. And that's what you want in an Iron Man book, right? That's you what want blasting stuff. That's what I buy him for. Yeah. All right. So dialogue. Uh, I think the dialogue here, because this is the the number one of Marvel now, so they got a lot they're trying to set up, while also not trying to insult. Everybody, you know, that's one of the things when you're, when you're trying to reboot or whatever a character that everybody knows. Uh, you know, we don't need another origin story of Spider-Man because we've gotten so many so already. <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of glad that you just kind of they kind of just dump you into this world of Tony Stark and they give you just a little bit, but you know who he is and they just give you enough to know what's going on. Uh, there's some really great back and forth with him and Pepper Potts though. Like I really love it. They did a good job with that. And he's definitely Tony Stark. Like, he's making little quips and stuff. Um, it's very, very uh, heavy in Tony Stark's head. Like, there's a lot of you're reading his thoughts type of thing. And I think it's, that's just fine for a first issue. There's way more dialogue than there is of action, though. And uh, overall, it's very good. I don't have anything against it. But there was a couple times when I was reading this where I had to go back and read it again. Just because I kind of dozed out a little bit. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you know what I mean. Like when something's really uh, dialogue heavy and it's just a lot of words on a on a page. Yeah, like you you're just kind of reading through it. Like I mean, I think I kind of missed something. I need to go back. So that did happen a few times. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of an issue in a lot of Marvel books, if you ask me. Uh, so I'm going to give the story. Um, I'm going to give the story. I'm going to give it a six. A six. Okay. Yeah. And for the dialogue, I'm going to give the dialogue a seven. Seven. So there's a lot to so it, here, but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to it, and it's but it's also at the mercy of setting up a whole story, too. So I try to keep that in mind. That's the tough thing uh, about those first issues <laughs> a lot of the time, too, is that there is a lot yeah. of dialogue. Some of it's like a lot of unnecessary dialogue. Um, yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and rereadability. Well, that's a, I said that perfectly. Uh, Re-readability. <laughs> well, yeah, we got to change that around. <laughs> I get so would I read this again? So much. <laughs> <laughs> would I read this again? That's uh, um, 
I think so, but I don't think I would just stop at one, issue one. I would definitely have at least his first run, so I knew what was happening. Uh, so I'm going to give this... I'm also going to give this a six. It's something I would reread. Okay. Uh, I do think the standout part of it is the art, though. No, very good. And especially the cover, which isn't fair because I'm a, I'm a you know Scotty Young fan, so that's really not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but so I give the cover a ten. Cover, that's big. Just, that's that's your bonus points. Um, yeah, <laughs> thirty four out of fifty for that book. So so not bad. It's it's well above average. Yeah, I still prove of it. Yeah, yeah. So that's not too shabby at all. Um, and what was the name of that book in your? I forgot. My apologies. Uh, Iron Man number one, Marvel Now. Marvel Now. Okay. All yeah. right. Very good. You know, that's when they started the whole thing where they uh, were trying to make comic books kind of interactive. You could download an app on your phone, and whenever something showed up on a page, you could actually scan it with your phone, and it would do like little extra stuff on oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that for yeah. a little while. It, yeah, this it yeah this long. one's got some of that. No, it, last it was long. it was really neat though. I would do it. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I don't think I had like a smartphone back then either, so I couldn't even take advantage of it. Um, but all right, very good. Rolling right along, my next, uh, b- well, my first book for this episode. Uh, I chose to do Craven the Hunter, and you know this. He's been, a, you know, a pretty cool character in 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 Spider-Man's lore. Very, just different. Uh, a villain, but not like a in a classic sense, I guess. Um, I don't really don't know what, any other way to des- to describe him. I was going to try and read Craven's Last Hunt, but I didn't realize how long it was, and I think we're going to have to do an entire episode just dedicated to that. Uh, uh, but uh, the book that I chose for Craven the Hunter is actually debut from August of 1964. It's The Amazing Spider-Man issue number 15. Just, just literally titled "Craving the Hunter." Uh, you know, it starts. You know, the overall theme of the book is really Craven the Hunter gets summoned by the chameleon to to come in and and hunt the uh, well, hunt Spider Man. Uh, that's Craven the Hunter, a well known like animal hunter. He's he's hunt done everything, and and really his goal is to get get Spider Man because Chameleon has just returned. He was deported. And he just returned and didn't want to show his quote-unquote face out in public just yet. So he, he paid the Craven to do it. Uh, and so him and Spider-Man have many, many encounters throughout this book. Uh, yeah, I always considered Craven a Spider-Man villain. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, he, I know he's done like some stuff with like Black Panther and you know some other characters. But, yeah, Craven very, you know, very associated with Spider-Man. Uh, but they battle quite a bit, man. There's some fun battles in here. Uh, it actually gets to the point where Craven beats up Spider-Man so bad that his hands can't stop shaking. That's how like scared uh, that Spider-Man is of Craven. So he's definitely in his you know head. And this is a really good debut for for a uh, you know a character of of Craven's you know likeness, I guess. But um, yeah, the ending's really it's it's the ending's kind of like funny. Um, but there is some really cool like name drops in here. Um, in this issue that I, I never picked up on, I didn't realize this character debuted so early. Um, but there's a, this is like one of the, this is the first reference to Mary Jane Watson uh, in this book as well. Uh, it kind of comes. What year, what year did you say this? 1964. 
64. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, You're right. I don't, for whatever reason, I feel like he came out, and I would. I don't know even why I feel this. I feel like Craven didn't even show up until the 80s. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But, uh, yeah, I guess he's one of those early ones. You could tell his animation is super goofy. I'll send you a screenshot of it. Oh, please do. Yeah, I'm very very curious what he looks His like. His head is first, massive. First time. It, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, there's the perfect one. I'll send it to you right now. But, um, yeah, so Mary Jane, the very first Mary Jane Watson reference uh, with Aunt May setting him up on a blind date. But I will get into the review portion of this book right now. Um, the artwork, I am a big fan of the classic stuff, but uh, this one was a little rough for me. Um not the biggest fan. The cut, like Craven's so misshapen. Did you see the picture I sent you? I'm looking. I'm looking at it now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're he's, not. He, he's not proportionate at all. Even, Here, I'll, I'll send you the cover. He's got like a really long face. Yes, he's like he's got his face is It's very like long. oh, we were gonna go with Hammerhead for this book, but instead we'll create Craven the Hunter. Um, yeah. His his costume, however, is hasn't changed very much over the years. No, it hasn't. It's actually a pretty cool look. Um, yeah, the costume's iconic. I would say it. It really is. Uh, I just sent you the cover over too, but um, oh yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> it's 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 something. I love it. It's something, but of course. The most important thing, Craven has a sweet mustache. Um, oh yeah. In this, and that will give that some points, I guess. Um, but artwork it, it is in that classical sense, but some things are disproportionate. I'm not the biggest fan of this artwork, uh, so I'm going to give it. I'm going to give the artwork a. I'm going to give it a six. Not the biggest fan of it, you, despite I know the age, the time, um, and what was capable back then. But um, this is a little bit subpar, in my opinion. Uh. Action. Yes, action. Uh, man, there was so much action. There was a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, Even on the cover. Yeah, the cover. The action, you know, we kind of, me and Greg discussed a couple weeks ago really what action could entail. It could be fighting, it could be suspense. And this book had all of that. It really did. They really did a good job um, building up Craven as a serious, like, threat to Spider Man. Uh, you know, with. His, his violence, his like ability, uh, and it you know Craven's just just a great villain. You know, I mean Spider Man's battling you know baddies left and right. He fights the chameleon in this book. He fights Craven. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on and, and quite a bit of suspense to go with it. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the action a, a ten in this. There, wow. the, yeah, it was it was good, man. There was it was very uh, it, like reading just even a panel window. A little panel window. I was excited to see what was coming next. So that's, you know, that's a good thing for me, especially, you know, I, I only typically read what I know. You know, I never, before this, I did this show, I would never openly go out and seek, seek out a Craven the Hunter book. Uh, but this had me drawn in. This was a really good introduction for his character. Uh, the story was fantastic. The story was really good. Um, you know, start to finish. I like the, the, the reasoning that Craven got introduced, you know, how it was. I never knew that angle. I didn't know him and Chameleon were tight, um, in that respect. And really what Craven's whole entire MO was, um, he was brought in as a, it was, a, he was brought in as a challenge essentially to challenge himself to catch a human, um, which is the, you know, the, the most dangerous animal of all as he quote unquote, um, and that would be spider, you know, that would be Spider-Man, and Spider-Man pushed him to his own limits, and and vice versa. Uh, 
just very good storytelling through and through. Uh, you know, a roller coaster ride in one issue. And there was plenty to read too, which is a good thing. Uh, I'm going to give the story a nine. Very high on it. Very high on it. Yeah, you're making me want to read this. <laughs> it's good stuff, dude. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's it's pretty good stuff. In as far as dialogue goes, uh, there was a lot of dialogue in this one, and and some of it was a little bit unnecessary. Uh, but there was a lot. I mean, it, it, it of course it goes a long way in help helping push the story. Um, but yeah, every panel was just filled to the brim with text, which not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes a little bit of a little bit can be too much. Um, but very good dialogue in be you know back and forth. They did a good job of making Craven feel like a unique character. Obviously, Spider-Man with his quips and and everything else in between. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, the chameleon, everybody felt different, which is an important aspect of dialogue. So I'm going to give the dialogue an eight in this. And as far as rereadability. Um, this was great. I mean, it was a one-off story. Uh, nowadays, you know, these uh, a lot of stories that can only be. It's not like one book and it's done. Or um, it's, it's a storyline is dragged out between like three or four plus issues. Uh, this is in a day and age where the entire Amazing Spider-Man line was all in continuity, but um, one story would would be able to finish it up. Sometimes it stretches out into, into two. Uh, but this one was a lo- nice long read, and they did a good, really good job of, um, you know, bringing just overall, just bringing Craven in. And like I said, I do like the long reads too. Uh, those help my re- rereadability value because if a book is like four pages long, um, four, four to eight pages long, I will not pick it up again. It's it's almost depressing. Uh, so I'm going to give the rereadability a a nine in this one. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Well, I hope you guys all check it out. 42 out of 54, uh, the debut of Craven in August of 1964, with the Amazing Spider-Man number 15. So, well, two things. One, I'm glad you're doing the math for this, so I don't have to do it. <laughs> and two, uh, that yeah, you sold. I mean, I already love Spider-Man to start with, and but I'm not familiar with Craven's uh, first. Go around. I mean, I, I knew some of the stuff just from the cartoon. Yes, uh, but uh, definitely hadn't read the actual comic. So I'm very. I'm going to have to search this out for sure. No, it, it'll be worth your time. I can promise you that. Yeah, sounds like it. So I'm. I decided for. I'm, I'm trying to think out of the box here. Like I, you know, I started with Tony Stark. He's very well known. Uh, so I was like, well, who's another very famous mustache that or facial hair that I could uh, pick here that. Uh, maybe he's a little off the beaten path when it comes to comic books. It wasn't on our list, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> and it was a long list. It was. You had a, a, a really nice, comprehensive list. And so I was going through my comic books today, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got some of these uh, Bob's Burgers comics. Uh, Bob's Burgers is one of my absolute all-time favorite animated TV shows. Uh, I love it. I've seen every episode easily. I'm not even just saying this to to brag. I've literally seen every episode of the show easily seven or eight times. Uh, I can rewatch it. It's so rewatchable. And the, when I picked up the comics, I was like, well, maybe these would just be little fun little things. But they're actually quite good if you like the TV show. They do a really good job of uh, feeling like, like the show, like the art, and I mean the uh, the uh, you know the jokes and such are are very very Bob's Burgerish in my opinion. And so how they set up these books, these comic books though, is each issue. This is uh, Bob's Burgers number seven from Dynamite. Uh, each, uh, and this is from 2016, I believe. Yeah, each uh, each issue has about three or four little short stories in it, and uh, 
they uh and so they'll range from and they're all done by different artists and stuff so there's different looks in each one but for whatever reason it just works because bob's burgers has a history of really embracing fan art and so it kind of fits here in my opinion so you get like one story about Tina, and then you get another story about about Bob, and then you get another story about Louise, and you know pretty much everybody in the family gets a moment to shine, especially Bob and that glorious glorious mustache. <laughs> um, so let's start with the art. This is this is going to be tougher for me. Um, just to give a little background, I love cartoony art, like I truly love it, and this is just pipe full of it. <laughs> There's so much, even all the different styles I really like. Uh, they're all very cartoony, have their own different bit of style to them, yet you can still tell who the characters are. Right. Um, so I'm going to give the art, honestly, I'm going to give the art a very solid nine. Okay. I really love it. I think the book looks great. If you love Bob's Burgers and you love Bob's Burgers, uh, other artists' takes on Bob's Burgers, uh, you can't you can't get it, do any better than this. So let's go with action. Yes. Um, there's actually, I mean, obviously there's no like, uh, you know, uh, comic book villains to fight or anything like that, but uh, there is some action in it. I mean, like the first story is they're like their version of Romeo and Juliet, just done Bob's Burger style. <laughs> so there's some action there. Just, you know, it's just very fun. It's, it's, it's very funny. Uh, and then there's uh, one of the story. my favorite story in here is called Pestergeist. And that's just where, like, uh, you know, pests are kind of running rampant over the city. And uh, it's, there's all kinds of little action in that. And it's sort of like, um, like you're trying to figure out what's going on type of, sort of a mystery going on here. It's got a very much a Scooby-Doo feel to it, actually. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, And it's, and then there's, and then the last story really is uh, their version of Peter Pan. And it's got a lot of action in it because Gene, uh, he's the he's the the brother of the of the kids. He's very clumsy, <laughs> so the action is like him. He's he's supposed to be Peter Pan, <laughs> but but he falls an awful lot for a boy who can fly. So <laughs> uh, uh, I really love that. And then they even go up against uh, their version of Captain Hook, who's just Bob, but he's Captain Hook. Uh, so uh, the action, I'm going to give a seven. Uh, it's a different type of action. Don't go into it expecting it to get your, like, it's not Iron Man blasting somebody action at all. <laughs> it's a different type of action. I loved it, though. Uh, and if you like Bob's Burgers, you kind of know what to expect when it comes Yeah. And the, same, and the same thing with story. Um, all these stories in here, I really enjoy. They're very different from each other, though, because all the, because uh, they're different writers who are writing these. And I kind of like that, in a way. Uh, but each one still felt like it was coming from uh, somebody who wrote on Bob's Burgers. And that's a big deal for me as a giant fan of the show. So, a story I'm going to give. Uh, some of them are better than others in this book. Like, I really like the Pestergeist one, like I said. I think that's the strongest one in here. Uh, but overall, I'm going to give an overall score of a... I think I'm going to go with an 8. An 8? Okay. For the story. Yeah. And dialogue is where this thing shines. Uh, the, they really captured the voice of the characters. One of my favorite things about Bob's Burgers, the show, is there's a lot of little lines that they say that if you don't, are not paying attention, you don't catch. But if you go back and listen to them again, you're like, holy cow, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> and that, that's kind of in this book. So I want to get, honestly, I want to give the dialogue, a, I want to give it a, a, a 10. Okay. I want to go a 10 on it. Very good. It, 
they do, and it's if you love Bob's Burgers, you'll like the dialogue in these books. And if would I read this again? I mean, obviously, I would. I love Bob's Burgers, so I'm going to give that a nine. Nine, very good. Forty three out of fifty for that man. That's a good score. That's not too yeah. shabby. That's an important thing for me too. Like to to hear that. Um, you know, some of these some comic books based on cartoons, TV shows, they don't really capture that emotion and feel for that cartoon. Um, I've had that with a, just only a handful of Simpsons comics, uh, but the most that I've read are, are pretty good at capturing those characters. Um, yeah. In the, yeah, I was actually about to bring up Simpsons yeah. when you were saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we did one here, um, and it, it, it was very... It was very well done, uh, very well done. But I've read a couple yeah. that were, like, a little off. Um, you know, there's been some other, like, takes on certain characters, like the the DC and, and Hanna-Barbera crossovers um, were, were very interesting takes. Um, and, and I get it. That wasn't the intention to capture the originality of those characters. But uh, there are some that just completely missed the mark as far as, um, you know, how to – how to make you feel like you're watching the TV show, you know, while reading? It's 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 a there's a fine art to it. Oh yeah, yeah. You you got to be able to capture like the essence of the show into page form and two different mediums. Yeah. So it's not like it's not a, honestly it's not near as easy as you would think it would be. No, not quite. Um, but all right, very good. That is our second to last book. I will close this up on today's episode with Lando Calrissian. Yes, that's right. The Star Wars character Lando Calrissian is uh, qualified to be a mustache character. Um, as Well, he has a mustache. Uh, <laughs> the book I am reading is Lando issue number one. It's from 2015, July of 2015. And, you know, I found it. And I do got to say, uh, I, how do you, well, I got to ask you, how do you feel about variant covers? Uh, man. Well, I literally just said I had one of of Iron Man, so <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I'm really torn on it. Uh, I've never gotten into getting comic books to try to sell, resell later, right? So it doesn't, nor, it doesn't truly bother me. However, I mean, it's just the truth. If you're going to do like Marvel, especially, I mean, DC was on it too, to be fair. But Marvel, especially, I remember at one point. Especially when I was collecting comic books, which wasn't super duper long ago, like whenever a new comic book was starting up, like that number one would have fifteen different variants of it, and it got to be too much. <laughs> like if you if you're somebody who just wanted to like if I loved because uh, I remember when Rocket Raccoon was getting his own comic book, yeah, and uh, I was like, man, if I wanted every single cover that was coming out that was a variant, like I would be broke. It just wouldn't be worth it. I just couldn't do it. Uh, so I, I'm really torn on it. I, I love it. Like if it's Scotty Young doing a version of it, I know people probably got tired of it cause he did so many, but I just loved it cause I love his art. So I, I'm really on the fence about it. Yeah. It depends because this Lando book has 10 different variant covers. Oh wow. Really? Yeah. Some of them are much better than others. Um, there's some fun like parody ones. Uh, there's one of the like Lando Calrissian, like the action figure. Uh, you know how they used to used to package them way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's actually a, like a live still photo or like a promotional material of Billy D. Williams as him. Uh, and a couple, I mean, there's a couple weird ones, but then there's one that's just the covers just white and it all it says is Star Wars Lando variant edition. Yeah, I I have that one, and that's literally a sketch cover. That's just so you can get an artist to draw. Oh, it is that too. what it is? 
Oh, yeah, okay. I, had that I never knew the that's reason. I, know I never knew the reason behind that. So, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, yeah. So Lando's getting his own spinoff. Of course, he's one of the most popular characters in, uh, you know, Star Wars lore. You know, people want to see more of him, and he's a pimp. That goes, you know, that helps too. Uh, he's practically yeah. a pimp. So, um, the book really just starts with uh, Lando. He's deep in debt. Uh, Bespin. He's up in. Cloud City, a.k.a. Bespin. Uh, he's been there for quite some time, and he's actually sleeping with an, an Imperial, I'm not going to say officer, but um, she considers herself a quote-unquote tool for the Emperor um, as far as managing stuff. So um, he retrieves an object. He takes it to this, you know, this this guy who's like, oh, okay. Um, he originally promised him that his debt would be 100% paid off if he got this object, but then he, he changes it in that classic Star Wars scumbag way. Um, to ten percent. So Lando is in pursuit of. Yeah. So you're saying he altered the deal, but pray he doesn't alter it anymore. <laughs> is what you're trying to tell me. Yes, it's like it's like Lando has dealt with it before, and he kind of knew it was yeah. coming uh, when Darth Vader questioned him in Episode Five. Crazy how that works. Um, yeah. But uh, the book pretty much finishes up with uh, him being sent on another mission to pay off this debt, and he's actually unwilling. Unknowingly, he's in a ship that was stolen from the Emperor. Um, and the Emperor actually, uh, still of the Emperor, uh, talking to that, uh, oh, what is his name? I think Masamita, the dude with the blue, like, horn things. It's in, like, episode three. Uh, you know, all, all the pretty much the entire prequel trilogy with the Emperor. Uh, he is, you know, saying that, oh, somebody's in your ship and, and it's not a good thing. So that's pretty much that. But there is a lot of story and, you know, story, everything that goes hand in hand before, you know, in between. Uh, It was a fun Lando book. It really was. And it's, I think it's the beginning of a five-part series, if I'm not mistaken. Like I said, that's pretty much the, the, what they go for nowadays. Um, But yeah, it was a great, it was a great, it was a great Lando book. And it sets up, I think, excellently something for uh, Lando to really be on the Empire and the Emperor's radar so to speak so artwork i'm going to start off with that the artwork was very strong uh with it i mean it there's like a hint of cell shading maybe um just a hint of it but there's there's very good realism uh when it comes to it uh like i'm very impressed by how accurately they got some of these characters uh well at least lando and then uh what's his name lobo the dude with yeah, the the dude with the thing around his head, the bald guy, um, he was actually pretty cool. My dad used to think he was the coolest thing, but he never like did anything or talked. But this actually gave him a very deep. Oh, he was he was the Boba Fett of of their pretty is what you're yeah saying. pretty much. This gave him a, de- <laughs> a deep storyline. It actually gave him some character and personality. Uh, this book did a great job of that. Um, but yeah, the artwork was was fantastic. You could see different parts of Cloud City and actually very familiar parts of Cloud City that you would eventually, you wouldn't see until Empire Strikes Back. You know, obviously that being the only movie where that place appears. Um, so it was pretty neat. And you get to see Lando in a solo mission. Uh, well, with Lobo, but, you know, kind of on his own. We've always known Lando to be, you know, tied with Han Solo in every respect. Obviously we all know that Lando's done his own thing. Uh, but a lot of Lando stuff, you've, you've seen him with Han. He's frequently connected with him there. Uh, the artwork I, I was very, very high on. Um, very high on, as I said. 
and I'm going to give I'm going to give an eight for the artwork on this. I, I like the uh, I like the, the the realism to it, and it did a good job of capturing the the you know the Star Wars universe, the gritty side of it. Um, yeah, I think if you're doing a book about Star Wars or something that's very famous, where especially if it's based on uh, a character that everybody knows what they look like, you kind of need to get as realistic as possible. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they did they did a good job. Um, action, very weak point for this one. There was no, uh, there was very minimal suspense. There was no hand to hand combat. Um, it was very story and dialogue driven, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does hurt the action score. I'm going to give the action a. I'm going to give it a three. It was it was it was relatively non-existent. I think that's even being a little bit generous. Um, but there was little. Well, you said it was. You said it was number one as it's well. It's the right? first one, so yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. They're setting up a, an entire story. That's yeah, that's what typically happens. Uh, the story was fun. Um, I did enjoy it. You know, it sucked you in from the beginning. Uh, it was good progressions throughout, and obviously the, the story is going to evolve and change over the next couple issues. So. Uh, the story, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fun one. Lando paying back debts, you know, him being a gambling man, he can't, he, he can't help himself. Uh, so I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give the story a, I'm gonna give the story a six, um, just because it is setting up, and I'm sure it's gonna get much better, uh, but it is a, it is a slow start. Dialogue, there was plenty of it. Um, the interactions with Lobo, uh, this quote-unquote tool for the emperor uh this lady that he's been sleeping with and this junker essentially or guy who owes money to i'm not exactly 100 percent sure what he is um but it's a very dialogue driven story and it does feel like billy d williams uh lando character to a t to a t you can you can hear you can hear and feel like his talk they say you can't hear like pictures and words but like i can hear and feel uh billy d williams and that's such an important factor when when doing uh, comic books based on movie and TV characters, kind of as we mentioned, really f- making you feel like you're like you can watch it, uh, I guess. Uh, and they did a good job of it. So the dialogue, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a ten to. Uh, it was fantastic. Rereadability factor, um, not so much, not so much. It, like I said, it's not to take away from it. It's not a bad book by any means, but it's a first book. It's setting up an entire storyline. So, so yeah, uh, I'm going to give the rereadability factor a, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, I'm going to have to read the later up, you know, later issues and, and kind of go back and see, you know, how much detail is in this, but the ending is very cool. Um, you know, the ending is very cool. The rereadability factor will, it would be helped out by the later issues to see where this story develops to. Uh, but 31 out of 50 is my score for Lando Calrissian number one from July of 2015. Sounds like overall we we picked some pretty decent books. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty good at that. Um, <laughs> it seems like that, and I'm you know I'm glad you got to find some good ones to you know review on this show. Uh, there is a chance Johnny will be back next week. I'm not sure how long Greg will be out for, um, but uh, yeah, Johnny will be my guy going forward. And we got some fun mustache characters to talk with and. This is a good start for, well, this, the second episode for this month. But as far as for me and Johnny podcasting the show together, uh, this is a great start uh, for that. So, Johnny, I want to thank you very much for filling in for Greg. I know Greg appreciates it very much. Yeah, definitely thanks for having me. And, Greg, uh, I'm thanking of you, buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so whenever Greg comes back, he will be, you know, be locked and loaded. But until then, me and Johnny. 
And everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to us. We have more mustached goodness for you next week. And don't forget, find us on the Facebook page. Get ready to vote on the tournament. Uh, the 32 mustached bracket is up and ready to go for Monday, November 18th. Go there, vote, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week right here on the panel discussion. We'll be right back.